One of the most exciting things in crypto now, I think, is the bridge between digital and physical, right? You're a painter, you're an artist, you're just starting to get into NFTs. Can you talk about how, I guess, you started and how you first heard about yes. NFTs and why it's interesting? So for me, I, like, I, I'll be honest, you know, if you go back to January last year, um, I didn't even have a crypto wallet, you know, so I, I didn't have anything at all. And two collectors, I was in, I was in my studio in Bali at the time, and um, two collectors came into my studio and started looking at a few pieces. You know, they came back the next week and I said, can we buy this in, in Bitcoin? I said, like, honestly, I don't care how you buy it. If you show me how to get a wallet, accept it, I don't mind, you know. So they, they, they set a wallet up for me and then they bought the first, that's my, they bought the first pieces off me in, in crypto. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people have for the last year and a half of them been pitching me NFTs, do this NFT project, do this NFT project. And this be something which I wanted to touch on, but none of the projects have been kind of, I don't really fully understood the NFT world, so I didn't want to jump into something that I don't know. And then whenever um, Lucas, who set up the House of Muse, came to me with this idea, he's a collector of mine in the real world. Um, so he's someone who I trust. Um, and he's, you know, he pitched me the idea of bridging this gap between all of a sudden how NFTs sit also in the real world and the gap between the two. And I really like the concept, you know, and the concept that we're doing is it's a real world piece, which is three meters by six meters, which has been dropped into, you know, a thousand, fractionalized into a thousand different NFTs. And that is, you know, you buy a, a one of a thousand NFTs and this then sits in the real world in a, in a sort of an institutional museum that's going to, that's been donated to after this residency finishes. So yeah, so it's, a, it's a, the project's interesting in that sense. He told me that uh, the canvases were so big that you had to literally take a window out of yeah. the building. Not open a window, remove an entire window just to get the canvases inside, which means you'll have to do it on the way out too, Yeah, right? well, the thing is, I mean, there's, um, look, I turned up to paint and I said, like, look, I need a studio and, and somewhere to paint. Obviously, when I turned up, me saying that from an artistic point of view, I know what I need. I get here, I'm like, Lucas, we need scaffolding, we need support, Lucas had to then run around the city trying to get me everything you need for a proper art, artist studio for this month of the residency. And also, the cameras is arriving, like, but dude, how are you going to get them in the building? Where's the crane? And he's like, fuck. So yeah, so the, yeah, the poor guy came up against a lot of, a lot of challenges to, do, uh, to create a studio within the space that he was doing, you know? But um, yeah, we had to pop the windows out and we actually brought them up the front of this building and across the side of the other building, then over the roof, background and through. Um, and then the same thing's gonna happen on the way back down, yeah. So a lot of what you've been doing has been painting for a live audience, effectively, right? You're in this space and people show up and they wanna see you paint, but that's not really how the creative process so, yeah, works. Yeah, and, and also I, I, don't paint, I don't paint in front of people. So for me, I'd be painting in the mornings and I paint at nights in here, which has created a massive issue for me because sometimes I wanna paint in the afternoon. And if I walk in here in the afternoon, there's 10 people here, I'm not going to paint. So all of a sudden there was, and you know, when you get your creativity and you want to paint, you want to paint. And you know, you can't just kick everyone out of a space while I start painting. So it was, it was a lot of, a lot of confliction of fighting with myself at nighttime when I came in, I wanted to paint and maybe it wasn't the mood or in the morning when I wanted to paint, it wasn't the mood. So I was kind of restricted in my hours that I could actually paint because of the people being in here during the day. Um, and the issue is if you don't if you're on the mood to paint you don't paint you know that's that's the way it is and it's you know especially when I'm doing large scale abstract work it's my 
I paint a lot of my own emotions and feelings and anxieties, ups and downs, and I go, on, I go into a certain zone. And I can't have people around during that period because I want to really go quite deep in myself and get into a locked place, you know? Yeah. So what's been the inspiration largely? I know it changes, yeah. but how do you find inspiration for your work on a weekly, daily, monthly, yearly yeah, basis? So I think, um, you know, for me, look, I've moved my studios all around the world. I think I've had shoes in 18 different cities across the world. And, you know, I always say to people, like, you know, it's not a real pain setting up new studios in new cities and new countries and you've never been to a different language and you don't know anyone. And I always say, yeah, it is a massive pain. There's a pain in terms of cost of sending it all up, buying new studio equipment, etc. And also, you know, in terms of the struggle of finding like where you've got to go, the best place to be, like where, where you want to put your studio, the art stores, the suppliers, etc. But then at the, the end of that two years, you can't put a price on the inspiration you get from working in a, a new environment, you know? Like subliminally, every time you walk into your studio, the smells, the sounds, um, like the, the sights that you see are interpreted into you subliminally and you're putting that then into your palette and your canvases and they're changing the way you're painting. And for me, that's priceless. And it's part of your development as an artist is you're developing you as a person, you know? Right, we're standing in front of one of your paintings, obviously now, which is part of a series that you've been working on. And you mentioned to me that it has a lot to do with your childhood. Yeah, so this series was actually all around my own upbringing in Northern Ireland um, in Belfast during the Troubles. So it's kind of it captured a lot of my paintings have chaos in them because that's, you know, it's a lot of like, capturing screenshots and sort of snapshots of my life. And, you know, I have up to 180, 106, 180, 190 layers in some of my paintings. And every layer is kind of a different moment in time throughout my own childhood right up to the present. But this series in particular was bringing a lot of my childhood memories and that's why you'll see a lot of reference to the troubles that were going on, the civil war that we had. Um, so you'll see the police, the riots, bombings, etc. within these paintings in a subtle world, subtle way. And you were, I believe, crossing back and forth across the border when you were a child, right? Yes. One parent in Ireland, one parent in Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny enough, so I actually I was born in Dublin, but I grew up in in Belfast, in the in the in the very British part of Belfast, but my father lived in Dublin, where I was born, so I, I kind of grew up very much across both. Um, and it's and it's one of those things I think a lot of people don't realize that um, you know it did very much tear a country in half, you know, and that's a very small country to start with. You know, it's a million people. Um, I think I think it's around a million people now, um, but the religious divide made that. 500,000 people, you know, it really was segregated. And people don't realize the segregation that was going on whenever we grew up there. You know, the schools, if you went to school on one side of the religion, you only associate with schools on the other, on that side of the religion. You grew up in that area, you know, and so the segregation was very real. Do you think that that's part of the reason you became an artist in the first place? Yeah, so I actually, I was kicked out of school when I was 14 or 15, I think. And I remember everyone else was kind of, Everyone else was, was going to school, clearly, <laughs> and I wasn't. And um, I used to take myself off um, to an old derelict building, and I would just paint a piece up on the wall. And then I would spend you know, a few weeks painting that when everyone else was at school and I had nothing to do. And then I'd paint it white again. I just didn't know how to throw up, paint it white again, and throw up. And that's kind of what I did for the first sort of nine months I was out of school until I went back into new school. And I think that, you know, I was always, before that I was always drawing and painting, etc. but that's when I really started getting into my painting on a, on a much larger scale. And the, the piece that you're fractionalizing into NFTs is massive. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's three we meters about that. by I mean, six meters. For people, I mean, the scale is, yeah. should not be understated. So when somebody goes, I saw there's a QR code next to it, right? You go do the QR code, what happens? What do they get? 
Yeah. How does it actually work in the end? Yes, yeah, so the thing is, so basically, it's people have been buying the, the piece up as it's been getting painted. And part of the interesting thing I liked about the concept was we have it laid out online like a chessboard, you know, A, B, C down one side and then one, two, three along the top. So you basically go down, you're like, all right, I'll take C12. And I think it was 1.1 ETH. So yeah. this, is the, where I, this is where I'm not very clear in the NFT world. But yes, I think it was 1.1 ETH. So the price has been dropping or going up depending on what goes on in crypto. Um, but yes, you buy that piece and, and your NFT that you buy right now might look blue and green and yellow. By the time I finish, it could be black. So, you know, that was a quite interesting thing about your buying something which is evolving constantly. And um, so, yes, yeah, so it's, it's once the piece is revealed completely, then obviously you know what, what, pe what you're going to get in your NFT. But until that final reveal stage is, you, you're not actually 100% sure what you're going to get in that space. And a lot of it's white. There's a lot of white. <laughs> There's also a lot of negative canvas. Um, funny enough, the, the big bit of white came, I think, two days ago. Um, there was a lot of color on it before that, uh, and then it went white. Um, and some people said, like, well, if you're going to go white, why don't you just paint it white at the start? I'm like, well, it's not bad that you go with the emotions and the feelings and the flow, you know, it's, it, there may be a bunch of colors underneath here, but that's, that's how it is, you know? And that's why I always say, if you come to my, one of my studios, I have maybe, yeah, it's a workshop, you know, there's 40, 50 pieces of work around. And until something goes on the wall, you know, you can come in the next day and it can be completely different, you know? It's like, that's it. Until, until I finish a piece, it can change, it can change massively. Oh, that's really interesting for a buyer who loved a square and then it, it changes. Well, but that's it might encourage them to buy multiple squares. Multiple yeah. squares, right? And then that's what I quite liked about it. I thought, was, and, you know, that's why I said, you know, I, you know, as I said, you know, Lucas, the founder of House of Muse, or my, my House of Muse, um, you know, he's a collector of mine in the real world and something I trust, but that's why I liked, it was quite interesting about the project was that I like the fact that people are buying something which is evolving, which is changing. And also I like the fact that you're going to have an NFT in your wallet and then you're going to go to a museum and you're going to have a section of the NFT in the real world in the museum. And that's something which I, I found very interesting from the NFT world because it's basically saying where's digital and real world meets. And I like that concept. So now that you've dipped your toes in it, have you, has it gotten your wheels turning as to the other possibilities? It's pretty endless when yeah, you really well, start to, the utility yeah. of NFTs is... Well, I, I, yeah, I was talking to someone, you know, I had one collector came through the building, um, who's a crypto guy, and they were talking about taking my paintings and making them into metaverse worlds and building apartments and houses and selling them off within this Robin world, painting metaverse, and all of a sudden this part of the painting becomes an oceanfront, and yeah, it's kind of, it's a bit out there for me, <laughs> but yeah, I get it, you know, and it's, um, it's interesting, and, and I think being here, amongst sort of the crypto space and speaking to all the people in the crypto world, it's kind of opened my eyes more to kind of, it's a lot more than just the cryptocurrencies, you know, there's a lot going on. Do you think you'll always have a physical component to anything that you might do, or do you f foresee yourself potentially doing one of one NFTs that are strictly digital? I like painting, you know, I'm a painter. That's what I like doing. I like getting my hands dirty. I like taking out tools. I like getting messy. Um, I, I don't know that's ever going to change, you know, I, I'm a, yeah, I like painting, you know, I have no problem with painting and then taking a digital picture and maybe making that a one-on-one -on -one NFT. That's not a problem at all. But in the first place, I, I want to paint. Yeah. That's well, what it's I, good because then you're authentic and true to yourself. I yeah, think a lot I, of the problems yeah. actually in the NFT space come or people perceive them as like cash grabs and thing when yeah. people try to do something that's not like. Yeah, their for, true passion. For me, look, I paint because I enjoy painting. You know, I mean, that's, that's my inspiration is painting. Now, if we want to digitalize that painting afterwards, that's completely fine. But the, for me, the first bit is, um, 
And yeah, I could go on Photoshop and I could knock something up into an NFT very easily, you know, but it's not what I want to do. I'm not a, I'm not a digital artist, you know, I'm a, I'm a painter. That's what I like to do. I like to paint. I really like getting my hands dirty. I like my tools. I like to I get my time in the studio, my music on, I zone out. It's a therapy for me, you know, and that's why, you know, my canvases are my emotional states throughout the time period I'm painting them. And that's a, that's a big process getting in there, you know. A lot. One of the popular things for painters that I know, I'm friends with a painter named Trevor Jones, who just like you is really a painter, but kind of entered into the NFT space is that you have this one of one, it's a painting, but then you add some movement or something to it. Yeah. You? So that, that, I, I played around with a bit of that. And um, yeah, it's actually, it was quite interesting, especially with some of my more figurative work, because I had some of the figures were slightly just moving a little bit. Um, actually, the piece over in the corner. Uh, which is called Lost, the bow tie. I love it. I had the bow tie um, slightly changing colors in the digital world. So I painted it out, took a picture of it, and then I, and I did animation where the bow tie just changed colors very subtly. So you wouldn't even notice until you really look at it, you know? So I did, I did like that idea. I saw another NFT actually, which was very beautiful. It was a sculpture, which is rotating. And as it rotates, there's a window behind it, and you see it going, the window going through the four seasons of the year. So that was very beautiful, you know? Yeah. So there really are applications where you can sort of amplify your own art with while still being true to it yeah look at them they look there's I, I don't know any painter in the world doesn't know how to use photoshop you know it's we it's 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 you we mock up stuff all the time when we're playing around with things and look at stuff you know but for me it's just i like to have a, i like to get messy i like to paint you know it's a that's what i like doing you know it's um I'm a painter, man. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like I get my tools out, I get my sprays out, I get my, my paints out. And yeah, it's, uh, I create chaos and destruction when I'm painting as part of my process. And I, I, I build layers up to remove layers back down, to take them off again, to bring out the white spirits and, and really like scrape it off and get it back down to the roots and then bring it back up again and, you know, build those layers. Well, man, I'm going to go take a full tour of everything hey, that you've painted yeah. and hung in this place and go shopping. I can't wait to see uh, Thanks so much, what man. else you create, man. It's Appreciate really it, yeah. Work. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. That's dope.